You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. A good Tuesday morning and welcome to Writer Than You here on CBS Sports Radio, the free Odyssey app, Sirius XM Sports Channel 158. It is Andrew Bogus for the second consecutive day in for Bill Ryder. He returns tomorrow. Tom DeCelestino is here as always this morning. Peter Schwartz has your updates on what will be a unique edition of this show for these next two hours here coming off one of the scariest scenes in NFL history last night on Monday Night Football in Cincinnati. I'm sure by now all of you know the specifics of DeMar Hamlin and everything that played out on the field in Cincinnati last night. There is no other thing to discuss this morning. This young man, his teammates' reaction, the NFL's reaction, the league's response in the moment to the incident, your reactions as well at 855-212-4CBS, 855 4227 on Twitter, as always, at Andrew Bogish at Cell CBS. As we come on the air just past 10 a.m. Eastern on this Tuesday morning, there is no update since an overnight tweet from the Buffalo Bills confirming that DeMar Hamlin went into a cardiac arrest on the field after tackling T. Higgins late in the first quarter of this game. His heartbeat was restored. That's their word on the field. He was taken to the hospital. We know about CPR. We believe that an AED device was used in the field, a shock to reset DeMar Hamlin's heartbeat. We know that his mom was in the stands, that the ambulance felt, it appears, comfortable enough to wait for her to get down to the ambulance to join her son before going to the hospital. I'm assuming by now you've seen the videos of Stefan Diggs walking himself into the hospital last night to see his teammate, other members of the Bills staff and front office, We're at the hospital as well. Most of the team, if not the entire team and staff, is now back in Buffalo. There is nothing new on when and if this game from last night will be resumed at any point. How the NFL will react with these two specific teams or an entire Saturday and Sunday of games coming up here week 18. And because there is no update, you know, we're all kind of sitting here trying to decipher with no for most of us, no actual basis for it, whether this is good news or bad news, that we've heard nothing new. I Was it eight hours now, seven hours now since that Bill's tweet? I, I'm i going to skew to the positive. I'm going to skew to the idea that he remains in critical condition. He's intubated, which is what they told us last night, and that hopefully the worst has passed, that the moment on the field when this collision happened and did something to his heart, that the immediate response by the training staff from both teams plus the medical personnel in the building, that that was the most dangerous moment of all of this. And now this is just about DeMar Hamlin beginning to recover, beginning to get out of the woods, so to speak, and then whenever that is, getting back to being him. Um, It might be just as likely that no news is bad news, but there's no reason to think negative right now. It's only good thoughts to him. It's only good thoughts to his team. But it's hard to have good thoughts after what we saw last night. If, if you were watching live or if you weren't watching live and you didn't live through that, I, you know, I almost am jealous of you because it was, it was that awful last night and it was that scary. And we have all seen traumatic moments now on the field between concussions and gruesome injuries, broken bones, And we've seen players react immediately, begging the sideline for help because they know right away somebody's injured. And we saw that last night. And me personally watching the game, I don't, you know, I don't don't know how to describe it. I didn't notice him fall. I didn't notice him get up and then go back down. 
I heard Joe Buck and Troy Aikman say somebody was hurt and he was already down on the field. And the first time I saw him on the field, there was already training staff getting to him. And I thought I saw his arms like up in the air, like reaching for something. And I thought, you know, in retrospect, I guess, you know, good news in that moment would have been we're dealing with another horrible concussion, that that was his arms kind of frozen up in the air, which we have seen and learned the technical terms for because of the various head injuries that Tua Tungavailoa has has uh, suffered this year. But it became almost instantly clear, as you know from watching, that this was different, that this was more serious. But I still thought maybe it just looked bad, and that's why the players were that, upset that maybe there was something about this injury blood or something that was freaking them out so much but that went out the window quickly as well and nothing about the situation nothing about the tv coverage could dismiss and downplay our fears and you know i might forget some of the specifics of last night what week in the season it was where the game specifically was what the time in the game was But one of the things I can never forget from last night, and this was really where it scared the you-know-what out of me, was early in the sequence, ESPN had a shot of Josh Allen, almost like on purpose, looking right into a camera that was across the field from him, had his hands across his nose, tears in his eyes, and the look of fear and disbelief on his face was the last thing I think I needed to to know that this was going to be different. And... I've said this before, coming off scary head injuries and neck injuries. And it sounds terrible to say, but it's it just the law of averages. You know, we're going to deal at some point with somebody losing their life on the field. We've come close, unfortunately, with neck injuries and paralysis. And there was a good chunk of time last night where I thought that's where we were now. Because... You know, when you can hear it in Joe Buck and Troy Aikman's voice, Lisa Salters was near tears every time she spoke. And then some of the, you know, broadcasting things that I know from living in this world, when ESPN refused to show any other shot than that far away, removed corner of the end zone view where you could see the field and you could see the ambulance and you could see the players around DeMar Hamlin on the turf, when that became their base shot, that wasn't good news. When they don't show you anything, that's a bad sign. It was a bad sign when Joe Buck and Troy Aikman signed off and said, we're going back to the studio. We can't we can't be in the building anymore. That wasn't good either. All of those things, you know, rolling together, you could only assume worst case scenario. And as we sit here, while we don't know any more specifics, seven, eight hours since the last update, I want to say that we've, you know, fingers crossed, we've passed the worst. That the worst was that moment. And thank goodness that happened to DeMar Hamlin on an NFL field and not even on a practice field or not playing or just, a, you know, friends playing football somewhere. Because the people around the field, Bills, Bengals staff, medical personnel, they saved that young man's life. And I hope that we learn their names. And I hope we know more about the people who were immediately there and made decisions and did multiple things 
to rise to the occasion. Those people, you know, covering games, college basketball, college football, like I've done for a you know a relatively long time now, those are kind of the people sometimes you get to know well because they're the ones, you know, on the periphery of the team. They're the ones on the sideline before the game when you're down there or courtside. Um, they're the ones that sometimes you develop a relationship with so you can find out information, too, from a news gathering. You know, is that how bad is his ankle? What's wrong with her, his knee? So you get to know those people. And they spend a lot of time doing kind of, you know, mindless work, taping ankles, getting Band-Aids. Oh, your stomach's upset. Here's this. You got a headache. Here's that. But they train for these instances that they hope never happen whether it's a badly broken leg, a neck injury, a concussion, and then the god-awful things that we saw last night. They train for them. They are prepared for all scenarios. If you've been even to a high school game now, you know that there's required to be an ambulance at these fields now for any number of things that could happen during an athletic event. And every it appears that every single person that needed to rise to the occasion last night rose to the occasion, did their best to give DeMar Hamlin the best chance of surviving last night. So I hope that we only have good news from here going forward. And one of the things we maybe have, you know, certainly have not done in the past and we can do moving forward here too, is to give those people the respect that they deserve as well in these scenarios. And that's part of the reason why Will Carroll, who on Twitter at injury expert, he's going to join us later on in the show. In fact, he'll kick off hour number two. So 11 a.m. Eastern time, he'll be with us. Uh, Will has written multiple books on sports health and sports science. He is the director right now of bioanalytics for North Star. He's got his own blog, Under the Knife. I met him years ago when he was focusing on injury news for actual football coverage and for fantasy angles. Still does that, betting as well. But, you know, Will just understands all the mechanisms that were in play last night and what the people on the field were going through. And obviously there are big words, there are big diagnoses, there are things that we've never heard of before all in play here. So I wanted to get somebody who can take us into that kind of hemisphere. Um, And I've known Will for a while. He's a great source of information. He'll be with us again, top of hour number two, to just kind of walk us through the situation as we know it right now. And, you know, we really don't know a lot. Um, the kind of the most things that we're working off of it this morning are things that outsiders have been kind of diagnosing from a distance, like Will might do in an hour. And David Chow has been um, has been on this show on this network for a long time. Former NFL trainer is now kind of making a living in the media, helping us dissect these situations too. People have been sharing thoughts from doctors and cardiologists, you know, and. Fingers crossed that this is what happened last night to DeMar Hamlin. And it actually, you know, was one of the first things that came to my mind, you know, when we were a half an hour in the situation last night and you're diagnosing and rehashing what had happened. My son's nine years old. And it didn't cross my mind until this year when he, this past spring and summer, when he kind of graduated into player pitch Little League before it was coaches and everybody was tiny and using these little, you know, mini regulated Little League bats. But eight going on nine, it became real-ish baseball. And a couple of parents had mentioned, and it, again, had never crossed my mind because I, I don't even think people knew about this when I was playing baseball growing up. I mean, he had, he was ready to go. He had cleats, he had batting gloves, his own helmet, a new glove, a bat. 
And people asked about this, like, safety shirt. And if you don't have kids that play sports like this, my lacrosse is in this scenario as well. They make undershirts now that have this big pad that goes over your, the middle of your kid's chest because there has been an unfortunate series of tragedies in lacrosse and baseball where players have been hit by a batted ball, by a thrown ball, by a pitched ball in the chest. And it has nothing to do with prior issues or this is how we find out that you have a problem. It is just utterly terrible timing that this contact happens strong enough at some perfect point inside your normal heartbeat and that the the contact and the collision, the impact, throws your heart out of whack, out of rhythm. And that's what I, I keep I want to say we hope because if this is what happened last night to DeMar Hamlin, then immediately all that attention is exactly what he needed in that moment. And why, if everything was done correctly and whoever is in charge of all of this from up above, and so science, the universe, all things going together, that DeMar Hamlin is on his way to being better. That this collision with T. Higgins last night was just an incidence of terrible timing. It's a tackle that was, you know, a heavy tackle. It was a real collision. Higgins turned up field and tried to run through as he should the tackle of DeMar Hamlin, and Hamlin was stepping up, so they were going in opposing directions. And that that collision, perfectly timed, perfectly placed, put his heart into a rhythm that it couldn't, you know, sustain. And that's why he went back down. And if you've been on social media since last night, you might have already seen this video or at least read this story. Chris Pronger, NHL Hall of Fame defenseman, in a in very kind of eerily similar video in the 97 playoffs, got hit in the chest by a slap shot that he didn't see coming. Hit him right, uh, right in the logo of his jersey. It stunned him for a second. He fell down on the puck. The play was whistled dead. He got up. He took like two strides, got wobbly, and then just crumbled to the ice. Was unconscious on the ice for 20 seconds was revived on the ice, taken off the ice, and this is what happened to him. The The medical term is commodio cordis. He played four days later. That's how fast he was back to, to good health, to regular health, because it was he was just a victim of terrible, awful timing that certainly could have taken his life in a non-professional arena setting with all of that medical help immediately there to treat him. I don't know that DeMar Hamlin plays this weekend. No one's asking for that. We're just asking for a similar quick return to regular health that Chris Pronger and others have had. It was, it's the worst thing I can remember thinking or seeing. I, you know, Dennis Bird's injury with the Jets. I was a kid then, and I've seen the video since, but I, I don't think I was watching that game live in the moment. I don't remember sitting there thinking, or even understanding what was going on around the situation. I've seen other things. We, you know, NHL, again, they've had multiple players have heart issues and collapse on the ice, on the bench, and survive. Hank Gathers was on my mind last night, and he did not have the outcome that others did. It was, I mean, it, it was, what, an hour plus before, from the minute he went down to the game being postponed finally and everybody's kind of sent home 
but that didn't stop the emotion. I mean, I still feel like jittery and nervous and scared for all of this. It, it, it was just, it was just terrible. It was just terrible. He is first in our minds, but I feel, I feel horrible for everyone. I feel horrible for T Higgins. I feel horrible for the bills. I feel horrible for the Bengals. I feel horrible for people in the stands who were there for that and wondering what they had just witnessed and how this was going to play out. I I have sympathy for those, and we'll get to how the league handled things last night in a second. I have sympathy for those who had to figure out what to do in that long stretch of time last night. And, you know, the kind of the very small irony of, of yesterday was twofold. We closed this show basically saying we couldn't count the seconds for this game to start. Late season, Monday night football, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Bengals, Bills, AFC North could be one, the number one seed in the conference, still up for grabs. And, you know, the game starts with the Bengals winning the toss and going, give me, give us the football, we want to score. And then they go score. And the game, you know, could not have started better than we could have, than we, we could have asked. And even at the end of a day that, is a special day on the sports calendar. De facto New Year's Day because the first came on Sunday, so everybody left the NFL to their normal Sunday schedule. So we had bowl games yesterday, and to me, the only bowl that will ever matter, the beautiful, beautiful Rose Bowl. The NHL Winter Classic continues to be special and amazing. And then the nightcap was supposed to be this tremendous, maybe the best game of the season. And instead, we got something that we'll never forget for the complete opposite worst reasons. It was a terrible, terrible night for the NFL and for everyone involved. And again, hopefully as we move on here, we've got something good to tell you in the next 42 minutes. Peter Schwartz has updates once an hour. Uh, Diesel and I are scanning every possible thing we can for any kind of good news. TVs are on. Once anything happens, you'll hear it as soon as possible from us. And we're here to, you know, to work through all of this. It's, it was traumatic. There's no other way about it. So phone lines are open at 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. On Twitter, at Andrew Bogish, at CBS. Again, Will Carroll, injury expert on Twitter, will join us this morning as well to just take us through all of the, um, the scientific part of this, the medical part of this, and help us understand everything that happened last night and where maybe we go from here with DeMar Hamlin. So, it's Writer Than You on a unique Tuesday. It's just underway. We're back with you in just a second on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Welcome back to the show. Andrew Bogish in for Bill on this emotional Tuesday morning, really around the country. It's not just an NFL story. As soon as, I think, 9.30, 10 o'clock Eastern last night, news stations had picked up on this story. We're covering it like a breaking news event, which... Brings us to the way ESPN handled it last night and where the NFL handled it last night. And just there's no there's no criticism to be had or to be given for anybody on the TV side. It's an impossible situation. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are in this booth looking down on all of this and afraid for the worst. They can see things that we can't see or we're not being shown at home. They know things and have heard things from the field that we're not hearing Lisa Salter's emotion in her voice, um, the studio crew who's pulled out of you know a green room watching the game and rushed on the TV with no information, little as you know, little more than we do, but not much, trying to figure out 
how to process a situation in a scene that we've never seen before. We've never done this before. And they had a long time to talk because we were in a situation where we didn't know what was happening with the game and the players and the teams for a really long time. Now, I was guilty of this last night. We've slept on it. We've maybe learned a few more things about last night. I've had some more time to think about it and process it. And I know I was guilty of not enough sympathy for those making the decisions last night. I still think it took too long. I still think an hour and one minute from when DeMar Hamlin collapsed to telling us that the game had been called off for the night. I still think that was too long. And, you know, as we're being given information by various sources, reporters in the building, on TV, it certainly seems like the conversation took an hour to, or thereabout to get to the decision to not play last night, which is not the story that the NFL said at an overnight conference call with multiple people on it, including Donna Ponte, who was the woman that you saw on ESPN between the two head coaches as they shared a phone somewhere I get, you know, late in the 9 o'clock Eastern hour. Troy Vincent was on that call as well, and he specifically said two things, that A, there was never a five-minute warm-up given to anybody on the field, even though ESPN and Joe Buck made three or four mentions of it as if it was fact. Now, maybe that came from somebody else, and I don't think ESPN was wrong. Um, I think maybe whoever presented that to them, didn't have authority to present it to them, or whoever decided that on the field, or in the kind of the officiating command center maybe, that they maybe overstepped their bounds, or that was the only thing the referees could think of to do in that situation because there's no written protocols for this. And Troy Vincent also said that they never entertained playing last night, that the concern was for DeMar Hamlin, obviously, and for the rest of those players who were traumatized by seeing all that transpire. So then my follow-up would be, the well, then why did it take until 10.01 for the league to say, we're not playing? You could have said, we're not playing at 9.30, 9.45. 9.45, probably the more logical thing. So, you know, are we arguing over 15, 16 minutes? Maybe. Uh, I think there are some things to be said for logistics. I, people have suggested this on on Twitter and other places, people that have worked inside the NFL or other leagues and contingency plans like this, that they were trying to make sure that whoever needed, this is one of the possibilities to explain the long delay, that they were trying to make sure that whoever needed to leave the stadium, DeMar Hamlin's ambulance, family members, team personnel, that the paths out of the stadium were clear for whoever needed to get out in a rush because they said almost immediately, we're not playing tonight, 80,000 people would have gotten up and left. And then everything would have been clogged up. Every every way out of the parking lot. So I think that might have played into it a little bit as well. The bottom line is, for all of the planning and all of the things you might have written down, contingency plans, emergency plans, once it actually, you do things that you think are never going to happen. And then it happened last night, and it's pandemonium. And you've got all these different sources of information, different things in play. I, I I understand more now why it took longer than you'd expect. I still think there was it was too long. It still seemed to be indecision and not precaution that was driving things. So I still think that there is room at some point to be critical of the NFL 
for the way they handled last night. But I will say we might have been too harsh in the immediacy last night. And I do give them credit because I didn't think they would. I didn't think they would make available anyone to discuss the process. Whether you believe what they said or not, I didn't think they would have put multiple people on a phone call last night to answer questions. And they did. And maybe that has given you some more clarity or the overall situation more clarity. There's still questions to be answered. But in a situation where, you know, no one ever thought it would happen, so no one knew what to do, I can, we probably needed to go a little slower last night on crushing them for the way some of those things transpired. And I'll say this too, I, I, this is the way my brain works. And my wife has, this has caused minor issues at my house because like, let's say for instance, you know, you've, we've got plans for a Friday night and something comes up and the plans change. Like my face, if my wife is telling me this, will do a little bit of a twist because my initial reaction to a lot of things is like immediately the logistics of adjusting. So then I'm thinking like, oh, now this complicates that. So like, it's not me being mad at the situation or sad or whatever. It's me going, this is a different hurdle that I've got to cross. It's just the way I operate. And people were getting, we were all trying to figure out what was going to happen. So, and I was, I, I, I sent a poorly worded tweet that people kind of called me on last night. I tried to explain myself. Um, but again, thinking out loud, like I sent a tweet out about my fear of what the NFL was going to do which was send them off the field, call that halftime, and bring them back out and make them play three and a half or three plus quarters straight to the finish line. We've seen this happen when there's been issues in arenas or even sometimes significant injuries with like three minutes left in the second period of a hockey game or before halftime. They say, okay, go in the locker room now. We'll come back out. We'll finish this current quarter period, and then we'll play on. So I wrote a tweet saying, can they make this make make this happen and people thought I was saying like this is what they should do which was never my intention but I also I understand the people who were trying to think of like how do you fix this how do we how do we make this game happen somewhere down the road because we're still not used to games not finishing right and games not happening and in the NFL pre-COVID games got played and then COVID came and now we're playing games on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and shortening work weeks and we're postponing games. And there is there is a, a basketball game this year recently postponed because of COVID. And it's still odd. So even for people, and I guess like me, that were trying to think of like, how do we fix this? You know, even that is something that we were worked up about last night. And again, there are, you know, the worst examples I'm talking about, not apologizing or trying to defend him in particular, but there were people whose just their nature is to think about how do I fix this? And it doesn't mean that they're heartless or not empathetic to the horrible, horrible situation. We're half we're halfway through our number one of this show. We're going to do our best to sprinkle in some other things just to give us a momentary break from the seriousness of this situation. Uh, we are still working off of an overnight update from the bills. There is nothing new confirmed of significance yet this morning on the commission, uh, the condition of DeMar Hamlin, which remains our number one concern. Uh, anything that pops up, you'll hear about it as soon as possible here on CBS Sports Radio. You'll get a recap of the entire thing right now. With your update, here's Peter Schwartz. 
You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. The Defensive Player of the Week is sponsored by the Navy Federal Credit Union, who proudly serves the Armed Forces DOD, veterans, and their families. They're members of the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Steelers safety Minka Fitzpatrick picked up his sixth interception of the season on Sunday Night Football in Pittsburgh's win over Baltimore. He's now tied for the league lead with three other players. The Defensive Player of the Week is sponsored by the Navy Federal Credit Union. It's Andrew Bogish in for Bill Ryder on this Tuesday morning here, Ryder Than You on CBS Sports Radio, the free Odyssey app, Sirius XM, Channel 158. However you're listening, we appreciate it. Phone lines are open at 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Uh, as we continue to wait on good news on DeMar Hamlin uh, and process everything that we saw last night on the field in Cincinnati, Peter Schwartz in his update mentioned Sal Capaccio, who is part of the Bills radio broadcast team. He was at the game last night. He returned to Buffalo on the team flight last night and then was on with our colleague Amy Lawrence after hours overnight here on CBS Sports Radio. Um, a, a longer snippet of a very good conversation between Sal and Amy in just a second. But right now, head to the phone lines again at 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. And say good morning to Tom in Myrtle Beach. Tom, thanks for listening. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And prayers going out to Damar and his family. I just, um, watching the game last night, two things really struck me. And I, the first one is that I thought the, the referees and the coaches um, getting together and really wanting to do what was best for the team and the players, I thought that really stuck out to me. The other thing that I was thinking about is that the reason maybe that it took so long is I think if they got word back, you know, after half an hour or so that things were turning around and he was in stable condition, I think that's probably the only situation where the players would have been like, okay, let's let's go back out and play. If he's, he's doing fine or he's doing stable, um, I think – that could have turned things around, but obviously that wasn't the case. Yeah, Tom, thanks for the call. I, It's a good point, uh, and I think that's that's definitely possible. It's a thought I had and others had last night as we're watching it all play out, is that if if they were waiting, because I, I don't say this to excuse, or it's hard for me. I, I think the NFL wanted to play last night. I don't know how long they tried to play last night. Maybe it took them two minutes to realize this was a dumb idea. But I, I think for a while last night, they wanted to play that game. And 2% of me un, can understand that from a purely logistical standpoint. It's late in the season. Nobody knows what to do. Playing a full schedule matters. Both of these teams are in the thick of the playoff race. Their games this weekend are important to them and to whom they're playing. So there is no way to adjust. Like you couldn't rearrange games to play this one on Sunday and have it settle things. So, like, I, football is not basketball or hockey or baseball where a game, for whatever reason, doesn't finish. You can pick it up the next time someone is in town or you can play a doubleheader tomorrow in baseball. Canceling, not finishing a football game is, is a unique hurdle to cross. So I'm sure there was somebody, maybe multiple people, and maybe they, was, they were charged with figuring this out. Like, Take your emotions out of this. Be a robot. Think of right now what our options are to address this game while we handle the more important things of DeMar Hamlin and all the players involved. 
And I think one of the things they could have been, from a personal standpoint, hoping that those first words were good. And the first report was, that was scary. That was terrible. That could have been the worst case scenario. But we saved him. He's out of the woods. We're going to the hospital. He might be there for a while, but he's going to be okay. Had that come quickly, I would not have been shocked had the league taken that to both locker rooms and said, what do you guys want to do now? Does this calm you in any way? Can we play? But that report, I don't think, ever got back to anybody, and I think the seriousness of the situation, whatever conversation there might have been, two minutes, 20 minutes, or 58 minutes, they finally gave up the idea of trying to play that one last night because it just wasn't it just wasn't possible. And I don't know if Sean McDermott or Zach Taylor or anybody else that was involved in the second-by-second second rundown will ever take us through what really went down. But as we sit here on the outside, it still feels like the coaches and the players and the union had to be the ones that said we're not going to play. That it, that it came from them and not from the commissioner and not from Troy Vincent and not from NFL headquarters. It just it just felt like they were seeing if they could play for as long as possible, and then they finally gave up on that pursuit. And here we are now. And, you know, frankly, we don't even know. I, I'm, I'm trying to work under the premise that DeMar Hamlin now is is – everything is trending in the right direction, that the next update's going to be better than the one overnight, and then every following one is okay, and the Bills can find some kind of solace in, as terrible as that was, it's going to be okay. So I don't know for sure how the Bills and the Bengals play a game this weekend, because in theory, they should be back in their facilities tomorrow prepping for Sunday's games. But there are folks who don't think the NFL is going to play this weekend or are thinking the NFL shouldn't play this weekend because every single player is so affected by this. And the thought is then you take out that week off between the conference championship games and the Super Bowl, and you just slide everything back one week, and we go from there. So then I guess maybe next Monday you'd play Bengals-Browns and then uh, Bengals-Bills, and then you'd go back into a regular week 18 after that, although next Monday is the national championship game. And I don't know how that would factor in all this as well, but you know we we are nearing. I don't think it's today. I don't think we need to know today from the NFL what's happening for everybody's games, but at some point that decision has to come down, and it has to be done. It does not mean that nobody's scared or worried or downplaying anything about Demar Hamlin, but there's a lot of other people that need to know whether there are games this weekend or the following weekend. I don't think that's happened today, but by this time tomorrow, midday tomorrow, something's got to come from the NFL on the future uh, for these two individual teams last night and the rest of the league maybe as well. All right, so here's Sal Capaccio again. He is, I believe, the sideline reporter on Bill's radio at the game last night, an eyewitness to all of this, shifts from sports reporter into news reporter, and then is on the team flight back from Cincinnati to Buffalo He's in his car driving home or to the station, I guess. I don't know. But he's in his car listening to Amy Lawrence, as always, host after hours on our Buffalo affiliate. He has been on that show before, usually talking about a good Bills win on a Sunday or a Monday night with Amy. So they have a relationship. So he calls and offers his insight on the situation. So here's two minutes 
of a fascinating conversation, Amy Lawrence and Sal Capaccio here earlier today on CBS Sports Radio. A lot of emotion, a lot of confusion uh, from a lot of people. You know, we don't know what, what's going on. Everybody's wondering uh, what's going on with Demar. Obviously, that's first and foremost in everybody's mind. I will tell you when the game, you know, was postponed. I mean, even from a, a person who, you know, my job and then getting home, like, what's going on? Are we staying here? Are we not staying here? Are we going to the hospital? Are players going to the hospital? Um, you know, getting on the plane and coming home. Everybody was just, you know, more concerned about Demar than anything and, mm. you know, wanted to, you know, be with him, I guess, if you could. And I know a lot of staff members did. Sean McDermott did. Brandon Bean did. Um, but everybody came back on the plane, um, the, the Bills team members, except for Demar, obviously. I, I was told Brandon Bean is still at the hospital with him. So is his mom and dad, Demar. And obviously, you know, there's, there's fans out there. Um, there were some fans at about here at 2.45 a.m., outside the Buffalo airport, outside the security perimeter, showing their support. There were about 20 or 30 fans that I saw. Um, but really, it was just a lot of emotion, a lot of confusion more than anything, I would say. I know that the team plane is is kind of sacred, and I wouldn't yeah. want you to violate any, you know, any type of uh, your, you know, your uh, confidence there with them. You're around these players all the time. But as much as you can, what was the atmosphere like on the plane? Just quiet, just somber, you know, just pe- people just not, you, know, you didn't hear hear much. But, you know, it's it's late. It's been a long night. Obviously, everybody's, you know, concerned about DeMar. But more than anything, I mean, you know, I think people, and I, I will tell you, though, that a lot of times it's like that anyway when it's just quiet and people trying to get work done or sleep or something, especially after a night game. But, you know, it was definitely you could feel, could feel that, you know, it was weighing on everyone. I will just say it that way. Again, that's Sal Capaccio, the Bills sideline reporter, Bills radio, um, heard on our Buffalo affiliate with Amy Lawrence after hours overnight, the full conversation available in the free Odyssey app. Um, and that's about as good as a look, I mean, literally on the team plane flying back, and Amy phrased the question perfectly and correctly. I, you know, I've been on team buses. I've been at team hotels and meals. It's you're When you're a media member, you're kind of a guest in those situations, and you know you operate as if, 99% of the things you're going to see and hear are off the record, none of your business, because that's supposed to be a sanctuary for the players and the team. And, you know, that's the kind of the way you have to present that question is, you know, you don't need to give us specifics of guys in tears, whatever, but just the overall mood. And I, I you know, it's, and we're just kind of all sitting here, like trying to read between the lines and what does this mean? And what does that mean? Like just them leaving Buffalo at all is that, is that a good sign? I was personally, because I, I don't trust the NFL really to do anything correctly here. You know, I once we didn't have a game last night, my new fear was they're going to make them play tomorrow. So I was waiting for someone to say that the Bills had left Buffalo and then that report did come and I, I could exhale there. But it's just, you know, again, we're also now seven, eight hours from the last update. Is that good or bad news that we have not heard anything on DeMar Hamlin. I think it's good. Maybe it's not. Um, but it's just, it is, it's just downright terrible. And I, his mom was there. And my first thought that, oh my God, she had to see that in person. But then that's better than being at home in the Pittsburgh area, seeing it on TV and having to get from Pittsburgh to Cincinnati to be with your son. I mean, thank goodness she was there. To be th- to be right next to him, and hopefully he knows that she's there. But thank God for her that she was there with him, because you know that's the other you know 
I'm sitting here, dad of two, D-Cell's got sweet little will that when when you have kids, it also it changes your thought on these things. And it put, takes you to a completely different place because I can't fathom seeing my son or daughter go through any kind of traumatic situation. My son broke his arm. We didn't know it was broken. That's how lightly it was broken right away. And like, that sucked. My daughter having terrible vision, getting glasses, that sucked. And that was nothing. I, I don't know how you deal with anything remotely bad to your kid in a field of play like that. And DeMar Hamlin's mom, Nina, had to live the worst the worst moments last night. I think it's good news. Most people seem to think it was good news that the ambulance waited for her to get to it, that he did not need to go to the hospital that urgently, that it sat there for a few minutes. I think it was seven minutes waiting for her to get down from the stands and in through security and whatever to get to the ambulance, that he was stable enough to wait. So, you know, those are the things that you're kind of leaning on to find the good news in here. The really good news at the moment, and I'm sure you've seen this too, is a is a, a GoFundMe page that DeMar started two years ago for a charity in his hometown, a toy drive. Wanted to raise 2500 bucks and hadn't done that in two years. And I just pulled this up again. You know, we're nearing $4 million in this GoFundMe page in 12 hours of donations. It, you know, and that's that's social media. Social media sucks ninety eight percent of the time. But when people rally and rise to the occasion like they have in this situation, this is this is the good side of it. And any good sign, any good news is what we're grasping for right now. Will Carroll at injury expert on Twitter kicks off hour number two as we continue to process Demar Hamlin's injury situation last night in Cincinnati. We're back with you in just a second. Writer than you on CBS Sports Radio.